Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for this Palm Sunday celebration is the epistle lesson appointed for today from Paul's letter to the Philippians chapter 2, which was read earlier. Brothers and sisters in Christ, today that text from Philippians shows us the ultimate example of humility in Christ Jesus. And then our text says that we're to have the same mind as Christ. So I guess we are to be like Christ. He is the ultimate role model when it comes to success. He's got a name which is above every name and look at his accomplishments. He saved the whole world. He saved you and me. Well, it's tough to be like Christ in that respect, but we're not asked to model his ontological exaltation nor his soteriological success, but we are asked to model his humility. We're to be humble like Christ. After all, the road to glory is found only on the trail of humility. It sounds like a, a paradox, but God has a gracious habit of using paradoxes to reach his people. Martin Luther highlighted a few of them. For example, the finite is the bearer of the infinite. I mean, look at the incarnation, the birth of Christ, God in flesh. Why would he stoop to such a level? Because he loves us. And look at God's word and sacraments, pretty ordinary and humble things like words and water and bread and wine. But there, Christ is present and accounted for, not to mention accountable for our sins, conveying to us instead his righteousness and his life. Now, why would God intervene in this world in such a paradoxical and ordinary way? I mean, let's be honest. Most people are not generally impressed with the ordinary. Perhaps we live in a culture that is addicted to sensationalism. I mean, we have extreme sports, we have extreme movies, we have extreme celebrity behavior. Everything seems to need to be extreme to catch and keep our attention. This humility thing just doesn't cut it. But this humility thing and this ordinary thing is not really out of character for God. I contend that God has a fondness for the ordinary, an affinity for the finite, a hankering for humility. There are a number of occasions in Scripture where God reveals his presence and his promise through some pretty ordinary things. I've shared some of them with you in the past. For example, look where God revealed himself to Moses. In a bush, an ordinary and humble shrubbery. And look at the means of transportation. We saw Jesus ride into Jerusalem today. A donkey, a lowly beast of burden. And at Jesus' baptism, the Holy Spirit showed up as a dove, an ordinary 
bird. And even Jesus' first miracle included some pretty ordinary and humble things when he turned water into wine. So we see in God's plan a lot of humility in reaching us. And why not? Humility can be attractive. Humble people can be attractive. No one really wants to be around glory seekers because their pursuit of glory is usually done at the expense, the humiliating expense of others. Their better than thou attitude serves as a natural repellent. But humble people are pleasant to be around. They always seem to be more concerned about others rather than themselves. Their greatness is defined by their selflessness. Their humility serves as a magnet. It, it attracts people. Jesus attracted people. Look at his triumphant and magnetic entrance into Jerusalem. But on this day which we celebrate that glorious entrance of our Lord into Jerusalem, we must acknowledge that it was his humility that attracted people to him. Our text certainly acknowledges that. Our great God became so very humble in Christ Jesus. Now you may recall from your catechism days the two states of Jesus Christ, his state of humiliation and his state of exaltation. And the second article of the Apostles' Creed portrays both states quite clearly. The humiliation or the humility of Christ is referred to when we say that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. Pretty humbling comments about the Lord God Almighty. Our text continues this commentary on the humility of Christ. It says that Jesus did not consider his equality with God something to be grasped, but rather he emptied himself and took the form of a servant. He became like human beings. He humbled himself even to death, even to death on a cross. More humbling comments about the Lord God Almighty. Jesus displayed his humility, not because he had to, but because he wanted to. It's not like Jesus put his being God on hold. Jesus always was and always is true God. Rather, Jesus willingly and voluntarily denied himself the manifestation of his glory. But why? I mean, if they got it, flaunt it. Why suppress innate glory? Why be humble? To save us. Jesus had to come down to our level to save us, and that he did. And Christ's humility also serves to attract us. Jesus did all these humble things to show us that God is not distant and abstract and unapproachable. But rather, in Christ, God becomes very close, very real, very inviting. In fact, we can hear him say, come unto me. That is both attractive and attracting humility. But that's how Jesus was, humble. 
And that's how we are to be, humble. Jesus achieved his humility through selflessness. He emptied himself. He refused to be defined and confined to the world's kingly expectations, even those kingly expectations we recognize on Palm Sunday. For this king who entered through the gates in royalty would soon leave them in humility. He entered on the back of a beast of burden, and he would leave with another burden on his own back, the burden of the cross. Our Lord's humility manifested itself most profoundly in his death, even death on a cross. That is ultimate humility. That is ultimate selflessness. But that goes against the grain of a glory-seeking, self-centered world. Unfortunately, it has become popular to become obsessed and consumed with ourselves. But Jesus reminds us, he who loves this life will lose it. He who hates his life in this world will secure it for everlasting life. Well, which is it going to be? You cannot serve both God and man. You cannot serve both God and yourself. Who are you serving? Even when you do things for others, who are you serving? It is possible to do acts of service which may appear humble, but actually serve the self. Those things done to others regardless of their real needs or things done to just a select group of people actually serve as one's own ego. That's not true humility. That's not being like Christ. Well, Christ did acts of service, but he did so by taking the time to see a real need. He saw a sick person, and he healed him. He saw a hungry person, and he fed him. He saw a grieving person, and he comforted her. He saw a soul heading for hell, and he saved it. Christ responded to real needs. And he didn't confine his response to a select group. Jesus served all, from Jews to Gentiles, from rich to poor, from educated to uneducated, from popular to unpopular. Jesus served you and me. Jesus is the ultimate altruist. Jesus demonstrates ultimate humility. And now we're called to have the same mind as Christ. But how? We can't even come close to his standard of humility. And even if we do, we are inclined to take pride in our humility. And then we're at back to ground zero. So how can we be like Christ? By depending on Christ. Christ emptied himself. We too need to empty ourselves. We are full of failure, saturated with sin, popping with pride. We need to empty ourselves in humble confession and then fill up with Christ's forgiveness. Be attracted to Christ's humiliation and then be covered by Christ's exaltation. Our Lord's exaltation manifested itself most profoundly in the resurrection. The resurrection is proof positive that God the Father accepted his son's selfless sacrifice on the cross. 
The resurrection is proof positive that death has been defeated and forgiveness has been earned. The resurrection is proof positive that humility works. The resurrection means that we don't have to make excuses for our failure to be humble. Simply confess, empty ourselves, and be forgiven. Fill up with Christ. Only when we are filled with Christ can we be humble and exercise truly selfless deeds of service. But remember, just as forgiven sinners, we don't take the blame for our failures, nor do we take the credit for our successes. But true humility is indifferent to credit. It's just part of being humble. And our humility depends not only on Christ's forgiveness, but also Christ's power. The mold for greatness is actually the mold of humility. Jesus said, the last shall be first, and the least shall be the greatest. And Jesus gives us the power to be the least, thus the power to be the greatest. And that power comes from the name to which we attach ourselves. We read in verses 9 through 11 of our epistle lesson, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. To have the same mind as Christ, be attracted to his humility and attached to his name. It's the greatest name there is. It's the most powerful name there is. And that name comes to us and attaches itself to us in God's word and sacrament. So the setting of worship is a pretty good place to fuel up for humility. This is the place where we receive the power to have the same mind as Christ. Having emptied ourselves in confession, having filled up with Christ and his forgiveness, we can now go out into a self-centered, narcissistic world and be humble. Who knows, some self-centered, egotistical person might be attracted to our humility just like we were attracted to our Lord's humility. What a great opportunity to complete the connection, to attach them to the source of our humility, Jesus Christ. Then they, like we, will be drawn up into the glory of our exalted Lord. Amen.